Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Laundry. Welcome back to the podcast. Once again, I'm joined here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Laundry. Today we have Dr. Minkoff joining us today. He is the author of the search for the perfect protein. He is also the co-founder of Body Health Nutrition, whose flagship product is Perfect Amino. And he's going to talk to us about why that is so crucial for us to take in our training, for you to take as well. And he's also going to let us know what is so important about this Perfect Amino that aids us so well in our training. So let's roll into it. All right, so we are absolutely thrilled to have Dr. David Minkoff on with us today. He has been a personal friend and guru of mine over the last five or six years as I've been trying to hone my skills and maintain optimal health through all the thrashing triathlon has put me through. So real quick, Dr. Minkoff's accolades are just absolutely crazy long. I mean, you, you can look him up, you can Google him. He has tons of accomplishments, but most importantly, he transitioned into alternative medicine. He and his wife uh, created LifeWorks Wellness Center, and then as a byproduct of that, body health wellness. So we, all of us, uh, you know, myself, Jackson, and Garrett, who are also here, we, um, we use Perfect Aminos like all the time. We love it. And I thought this would be a great opportunity to give Dr. Minkoff an opportunity to, you know, really blast us with all the questions that I know we have about that. But before we get to all that, I still wanted to talk about his triathlon career. So Dr. Minkoff, if you would be so kind as to give us a quick, I guess, timeline as to, you know, your medical degree, coming to alternative medicine, coming into triathlon, and then creating these products that we are loving right now. And thank you for giving us some of your time. Sure. Thanks, Nick. Um, I remember distinctly when I was five years old, my mother's brother was in medical school, and I decided that I wanted to be a doctor too. Uh, so I went to college and med school at the University of Wisconsin. Uh, and when I finished, I uh, went to San Diego and I did a residency in pediatrics. Uh, when I got there, I was supposed to do a rotating internship because I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but my first rotation was pediatrics and the head of the department said, you should be a pediatrician, you're good with children. So I decided to be a pediatrician. Uh, when I finished that, I, uh, they asked me to stay on an extra year and be the chief resident. So. There was about 30 people in the program, three hospitals, and I would sort of ride herd on all those guys, organize all the, the lectures and training, and supervise everybody. And that was a fun year. But when I finished that, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And uh, one of the guys in the infectious disease department said, uh, why don't you go into infectious disease? So I did a two-year fellowship in infectious disease. I did research in antiviral medicines. And uh, the infectious disease was both adult and pediatric. And one of the most esteemed guys in the world was head of the Department of Infectious Disease. And he sort of took me under his wing. And then I ended up in, a, in, in San Diego County uh, doing infectious disease and pediatrics. It was the early 80s. It was the beginning of the AIDS epidemic. It's a lot of really sick people in the hospital. That were, it was just unclear what was going on. Also, there was a huge uh, influx of people, of Hmong people from Southeast Asia who had all these exotic diseases. You know, they were coming into Camp Pendleton area and uh, San Diego area, and they had parasites and all kinds of weird stuff. And if you like infectious disease, that's a, it's a fun, it's kind of fun. Wow. So I did that until 1990 and um, was gonna take a six month sabbatical. We went to Clearwater, Florida. Um, it, uh, it, it, we liked it better. We decided to move to Florida, um, but going back to San Diego for a minute, I, um, I, when I got there in 1974, Frank Shorter had just won the Olympic marathon, and my dad had just had like a near fatal heart attack. 
And it sort of motivated me to start running. Because uh, in high school, I'd been a, I did low hurdles. And I was, you know, I liked football, baseball, and basketball, but I wasn't good enough to really be any good. Uh, <laughs> but I would win an occasional race as a hurdler in, in, in junior high school. So I started running because I was afraid. Um, my dad smoked three packs a day, had terrible health. You know, he just had terrible health habits. Uh, but when I got to San Diego, the, the running craze was, was, was on like, and so I started training for a marathon and I ran five marathons and um, I was pretty fast. You know, I could do a, I did a 36, 30, 10 K. All right. Uh, so, um, and, and then in uh, February of 1982, uh, I was sitting on the couch uh, in San Diego with my best friend, and we watched the Wide World of Sports episode with Julie Moss crawling across the finish line in second place. And she was in, she lived in San Diego. Uh, and I knew, all, so it, it was like, we both looked at each other at the end of that, uh, at the end of that thing. And we said, we got to do this race. We got to go over there and do that. So uh, he said to me, he had, I had been in practice just two years. I had three children. I had a lot of debt. And he said to me, he, he had just started a financial services business. So he said, you give me all your extra money and I'll invest it. And then in five years, we'll both be independently wealthy. And then we can train and we can go do an Ironman. Okay. Right. So then that night I started thinking, my wife's parents had died a couple of years before and they left us $10,000. And I'd invested it with this but the, I was in a pediatric infectious disease practice and the senior guy had a guy that built spec homes for him. So he said to me, why don't you give him the $10,000? He'll build a spec home. He'll turn it into 50 and you can just like multiply it. I said, good. Mm. So I give him the $10,000. <laughs> I don't Sounds hear from good. <laughs> I don't hear from him for two months. I call him on the phone like, and I, I, I'm looking at the lot that we supposedly own that he's supposed to be building this house on and there's no house going. So oh, I call him up and he's drunk. He's in Tennessee. And he said, I lost the money. I'm sorry. I lost the money. Oh, so no. I'm thinking with this, my best friend here, I'm going to give him this money. But <laughs> when you give someone money, you just don't know what's going to happen to it. And then that night I couldn't sleep all night. I thought, I can't wait. I got to do this now. So, that next morning, I look in the in the newspaper under used bicycles, and there was a used Nishiki 10-speed bicycle. Nishiki. Nishiki, yes. <laughs> I, I called the guy, and I went over, and I bought the bicycle. And then um, I had been a lifeguard in college, you know, like summer camp type stuff. Uh, and the YMCA wasn't too far away, so I went over to the YMCA, and I joined the YMCA. And I, I was already a decent runner, so... Uh, I did LA marathon. I think I did a 307 in one of the first LA marathons. So I, w I wasn't a yeah. bad runner. Um, and, uh, and I started to train and I said, Oh, that, and that, at that time you could just send in your application. There's no internet. Then you just send in your application to Y and I got a letter back saying I was in, you know, there's oh, like, that's incredible. 180 or 200 guys in the race at that time. This is 82. So, uh, I talked my my other best friend into doing it with me, and he was he was a much he was a better athlete than I was, but we trained together. And uh, in early June, so this was February of '82. In early June, the first USTS San Diego race occurred, and I'd been swimming in the YMCA pool. I hadn't been in the ocean at all. This is it's a June day in San Diego. It's probably high fifties. The water's freezing, you know, under 60 degrees. Oh, that's always cold. And, yeah. And we're down on the water and it's a gray, dreary day. It's windy. There's a lot of chop. And I get in the water. This is my first triathlon. And probably 300 yards in, I am freezing. I don't know where I am. I'm pretty sure I'm going to die. And a lifeguard pulls me up on the surfboard pulls me in the boat, takes me in, I get in the ambulance, my body temperature oh is 92 degrees. 
And uh, I sat and watched the race for like an hour. By then I'd warmed up and I see uh, Dave Scott come across the finish line first and Mark Allen's right behind him. And it got me inspired again. And I said, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to go run the 10K. So I got out of the thing. <laughs> anyway, we go to Hawaii. I, I had a, uh, it, the race crushed me. No idea how hard that would be. <laughs> um, and both he and I decided, we did like 1240 or 1245, which wasn't a terrible time. No. But um, we're never going to do this again. You know, and I couldn't even figure out why I wanted to do it in the first place. So on the plane, on the way home, there's like 30 guys from San Diego who all had done the race. And it was six hours. The Honolulu San Diego flights about six hours. And we listened to the, you know, we're talking, everybody's talking. And by the time we landed in San Diego, everyone had changed their mind. And we're going to go back because the race beat us. We're going to do it again next year. Uh -huh. So that started it. So I've done 43 of them since. My God. Um, uh, I've done Hawaii eight times. Oh, uh, man. Um, and it just, became, it just became a fun lifestyle. You know, I just really like exercise and I like the training. After that first year, when I got home from Hawaii, my wife said to me, you're not doing this again because the, the way the practice worked was every third night I was on call, so I'd have to sleep in the hospital. Because if there was a, an emergency room patient or a delivery that you had to go to a sick baby, uh, and there was probably 25 kids on the ward at the hospital, someone had to stay in the hospital. And so we had a group where we, every third night, one of us would stay over. So I'm gone every third night, and then I was trying to train, and she just said when I got home, you can't do this again, because this it was killing her. We had three young kids. So I said, okay. But in my heart, it was like, uh, I'm going to do this again. So I sent him <laughs> Now, real and quick, I, like, I have just have to ask, you know, what is the biggest change that you've seen over the years going to Kona? Like, what really just drives you up the wall or empowers the whole vision of it? What makes the biggest difference every time you go back? I think it's just, it's the excitement. It's the, it's the, it's everything, you know, it's like Super Bowl triathlon. It's just, yeah, you know, it's just, it's electric and it's, it's, you know, you just look at people, it's just energizing. I think it's just energizing. You know, you see goal oriented people who are willing to suffer to get what they want. And um, I think that's a very high value for a person to have, you know, it's one thing to sit on a couch and your goal is to finish their bag of potato chips or watch three hours of a football game. Mm -hmm. But the people that are in triathlon are extraordinary people. You know, every one of them, they've committed, they do it. And, you know, it just, it changes their lives and it makes them all very interesting, you know, very fun to be around and inspiring. So, I totally agree. Um, yeah. So how does, how does LifeWorks fit into this journey that you've been on through triathlon and how did you maintain training while building such a successful company? Well, we moved to Florida in 1990 and when I moved there, uh, I'd, I, had tr I thought I had saved up enough money so I could take six months and just do like a sabbatical and do what I wanted. But the money ran out in three months. Oh boy. And, um, I had to get a job. So I looked in the newspaper and I found an emergency room job and it was actually paying better than my practice had paid. And it was shift work. So I could do three or four 12 hour shifts a week and I could make more money than what I was doing before. And I like, I like action. I, I, uh, you know, I like the emergency room type environment. You know, I like, you know, people coming in and, and they got a heart attack or they broke their leg or they got a, foot pegged through their rib because they just fell off their motorcycle as a as a as a doctor it's I, I like that kind of thing i like to be think on my feet and and have to do the right thing so i got this job in the emergency room and it was going really well i really liked it and my wife had started to get into alter into health 
like she started, she's a registered nurse and she had done a couple of triathlons too, uh, not Ironman, but shorter ones. And she started reading all these things and going to seminars. And she decided as a result of that, that the, the silver fillings that were in her teeth weren't good for her and she was going to get them taken out. Mm-hmm. And she had, she had the silver fillings, which are really 50% mercury in all of her molar teeth. And she goes to a dentist and he drills them out. And about a month after that, or six weeks after that, she starts to feel pain in her thyroid. And I sent her to the best guy I knew that was a thyroid specialist. And he said, she's got some kind of autoimmune disease. I didn't associate this at all with the the dental procedure. And then she gets pain in her liver. And I sent her to the liver specialist. And he said, some kind of autoimmune disease with her liver. And then one day she wakes up and she can't lift her arm and her glute is weak on one side. She's having trouble walking. She went to the neurologist. He thought she's probably got an autoimmune disease. It's affecting her brain. It's probably MS. She needs to go on all this strong medicine. And to me, it just didn't add up. I didn't know anything about toxicology or mercury toxicity or any of this stuff, but what they were saying just didn't add up. And so she has a home healthcare nursing business and in the office complex where she is, a new guy had moved in who, and on the marquee, it said natural dentistry. And I had gone to pick her up one night and he was walking out of his office and I stopped him and I just said, you know, what's natural dentistry? And he said, well, most dentists do things in the mouth as if the mouth isn't actually attached to the body. They put poisonous materials in like mercury. They'll leave dead teeth in like what happens in a root canal. And we just don't think that that's good for health. So I tell him the story of my wife and he says, oh, 100%, she's mercury toxic. No one's going to help you around here. You have to go to Seattle. There's a guy there who trains doctors. I went there. I learned how to do it. I came back. I applied the stuff I learned to her. She got better. All her symptoms went away. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So what, so what did friends that involve? Involved? How'd you, how'd you huh? handle the mercury poisoning? Like, was that difficult? Was it treatment or was it medicine? Well, no, no, it's, 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 it's natural medicine. There are things called chelators, you know, they're binders and they will bind up the excess mercury in the body so that you can get it out of your body through, either through urinating it out or pooping it out. And there's sort of a whole support system that you have to do, which is what I learned from him. Um, and it worked on her, her symptoms went away. And we had a lot of friends who were sort of watching it and they came up to me and said, hey, I've got chronic migraines or I've got rheumatoid arthritis, or I've got colon cancer, or I've got, you know, whatever. What can I see? Will you help me? And I'm, st- I'm still doing the emergency room, but I had a couple afternoons where I was free, and in her nursing office, she had an extra little office, and I said, I'll set something up here, and I'll just play. I'm not going to charge anybody anything, because I'm not really sure I know what I'm doing. I have a success <laughs> ratio of one. <laughs> um, but people started to get better. And the thing just... It just went from one room to, to 3,000 square feet to 15,000 square feet, you know, in, and, and it just, you know, we just, she and I went all over the place to learn from every kind of doctor we could, we could meet who had a technology that was in this sort of category of natural medicine or holistic medicine to work with people to try to really through, through natural means uh, to help them get better. So we started LifeWorks in 1997. One of the big problems in, at that time was that, you know, now there's this huge uh, sort of vitamin mineral business, which is, you know, probably 50 billion, 80 billion, it's huge. But in the, in the late 90s, there, there wasn't a lot of companies with a lot of good products. And I was looking for things that would help detox heavy metals and uh, I got together with a biochemist and we formulated a product that's eventually what got my wife better. Um, and we thought, well, maybe other doctors would like to use this. So I went to meetings and I talked to some guys and they tried it and it worked. And we ended up starting this company called Body Health, which the idea was that we would have products that could help you. If this is the kind of medicine that you did, uh, we could help you with it. Um, and that product is called metal free. It's the you know, the, we've had the product since 19 or since 2000, actually. So 20 years, uh, 
It's the best heavy metal detoxifying product around. It's very safe uh, and it really works. So that was sort of our flagship product. Um, about uh, 10 years ago, I was training for uh, Ironman Canada um, and I pulled my hamstring muscle and I could not get it to get better. I injected it and massaged it and chiropractored it and I did everything you could do, but if I tried to run hard, it would ache and then I was afraid I was gonna really injure it. And a friend of mine um, said that he'd been in Europe and there was this product that he had, it was amino acids, why don't I try that? Maybe it'll help heal it up. I took the product for six weeks, uh, my hamstring healed. And uh, I went to Ironman Canada, I had my best time there. Um, I, my maximum heart rate on test went up 12 beats. You know, I mean, I had a lot of physiologic changes that were really kind of remarkable to me. Uh, and I started to use the product in the clinic. And I saw, and I started to measure people's levels of amino acids in their blood. And what I found is that virtually all sick people and most well people have amino acid deficiencies. And one of my uh, early patients uh, was a, um, he was one of the, uh, his name's Jeff Spencer. Uh, he doesn't mind me talking about him. Um, he's now one of my best friends. Jeff was a, uh, an Olympian in 1984. He was a track cyclist. Um, he's a chiropractor. He's a physical therapist. And he had been working with Lance Armstrong and was with him for all seven tour victories. Uh, and he, he, he asked me to consult on one of the team members who had gotten something wrong with his gut and he had diarrhea and he'd gone from his normal race weight of middle 150s down to like 128. This is oh. March pre-tour. And I consulted with him and we figured out that he'd gotten a parasite somewhere. He got a parasite treatment. His gut got better. We put him on these amino acids, which we were then manufacturing. By that time, we were making them. And I wasn't sure it would really work, but by the first weekend in July, he was tour ready. And it's George Hincapi, and he had his best tour ever. He won a mountain stage. He was just like, he was like amazing. And he loved the product and he endorsed the product. And he just like, he said, I'd never seen anything like this. Mm -hmm. So, and then we were getting stories like that. I so I wrote an article for triathlete magazine and we got 3000 people wanted the product, you know, like that, yeah. week, which we weren't raised. It was hot cake. So, um, that's perfect amino. And it, what we found is that most people are deficient. They don't digest protein. Well, they may not be eating enough protein. Most people have gut trouble anyway, so they've got parasites or bad bacteria, or they're allergic to foods and they're eating them anyway. And they have pro problems with protein digestion, and this was sort of a way to bypass it all. And so you could get amino acids in, which meant their body could rebuild and recover, and they could, they could get the performance that they wanted. So Dr. Minkoff, what you're saying is most of us walking around day to day we are probably because most of us don't know or take the, don't take the times we may be harming our gut just by taking in food that we don't really understand is harming our gut first off and then yeah. we might be taking in protein taking in good veggies but then because our guts are messed up we're not absorbing those nutrients and then you found a backdoor passage to boost performance in spite of all that because it's absorbable now I've always wanted to know why is perfect amino the product you designed so easy to absorb and why is it so fast within 26 minutes i think you said or i've read uh, after ingestion 23, 23 sorry all right here's the thing and here's the thing that's not understood there's virtually no dietitians or nutritionists unless they've unless they've read my book or unless they've They've seen this someplace else. It's not so much absorption. 
you know, there's a, this thing called protein digestib digestibility absorption index. And whey protein is 100%. You absorb it fine. But the mixture of amino acids in whey protein or pea protein or egg yolks or egg whites is, is you know, it's dependent on which of those amino acids your body can actually use. So here's an analogy for you. You want to make a car and you got a great big lot where you manufacture cars and you need a, you need a chassis and a motor and a steering wheel and four wheels as your sort of basic on a car. Now, if I ship you 400 wheels, 400 steering wheels, 400 um, motors, and one chassis, how many cars can you make? Mm -hmm. <laughs> one. Yep. Okay. Now, what are you gonna do with the rest of it? Well, it's gonna sit on your lot because you just can't use it. So the human body, I didn't discover this, another brilliant scientist discovered this. The human body, there is an actual exact formula of if you put the eight essential amino acids in, it will utilize all of them to make body protein. If you put in proteins that don't have the right mix, it's gonna utilize some of them, but there's gonna be a lot of excess, which is basically waste. So when you eat a protein, let's say you have a couple scoops of whey protein and you have 25 grams of whey protein. Only 16% of the amino acids in the whey protein are gonna be utilized by your body. 84% is gonna get turned into a carbohydrate plus nitrogen waste. Now nitrogen, nitrogen's a toxin for the body, so it goes to the liver, it gets made into urea, you pee it out. The, a protein is basically the same as a carb and the same as a fat in structure. It's made out of carbons, hydrogens, and oxygen, but an amino acid has a nitrogen on there. That's the difference. And if the body can't use the amino acid to make protein, it's going to take off the nitrogen and it's going to be left with a carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, which is either going to get burned or it's going to get stored as glycogen or stored as fat. And it's not making protein. So you get someone who says, oh my God, branch chain amino acids. Like that is the, that, that is, you really need that because that's really going to help you. If you branch chain amino acid, now there's eight essential amino acids. Three of those eight are branch chain, leucine, isoleucine, valine. If you take branch chain amino acids, you take a great big scoop after your workout, 100% of those amino acids are going to get turned into a carbohydrate. You might as well eat a banana. Okay. Huh? You know, yeah. save your money. So um, same with collagen. Collagen is is missing tryptophan, which is an essential amino acid. And most of collagen is non-essential amino acids, which the body, when you eat them, they, they get turned into carbohydrate. So it's, uh, it's you know, the, the, the science versus the sort of Madison Avenue and what's good and what gets promoted and what do people like, there's, a, there's sort of a huge divide between that. So perfect aminos, 99% utilized uh, for, for, to make protein in the body. And that's why it's, why so many people get results from it because they aren't really, you know, they, they it, it's utilizable. Their body can turn it into body protein. So when you work out, you are going to tear stuff apart. You are either going to get chemical injury of the protein structures, uh, or you're going to get, you know, like mechanical injury. You know, you run real hard and you're sore. You have mechanical injury. You have micro tears in those tissues, in the tendons, ligaments, and, and you need, if, if you can replenish it, you can get it to heal fast. One of the experiments that was done with one of the tour teams, what, and, and so they're, the, you know, they have a traveling chef and, an, and a medical doctor. And one of the things that Jeff Spencer experimented with these guys is the top three riders. Uh, it was Ekimov and Hincapi and Armstrong. 
in addition to what they were doing regularly and what they would notice that at the end of every tour, everyone was broken down. It didn't matter what they did. They were all broken down. What they did is they gave them 10 grams of perfect amino three times a day for the whole tour. And they found that they were stronger at the end than they were at the beginning and they weren't broken down. That if you gave the body the right stuff, you could almost overcome anything. And I agree. Was, so that was a, that was a, that was sort of a, a kind of a breakthrough thing. Now, a lot of times on those, in those, you know, there's so much paranoia now with pro athletes and what they can take and what they can't. So, you know, sometimes they limit them to what they can do. We just got a certification that perfect amino is completely clean and it can be used by any pro athlete because it's been certified by the national sports. I forgot what the name of the thing NSF, is. NSF, whatever that and means. It's, so <laughs> it's, it's uh, you know, they can use it with impunity because, you know, a lot, some products have dope in them and they yep. feel good on them, but there's really good stuff. Um, so Dr. Minkoff, real quick, I, I've been doing a lot of two hour, I've done a lot of fasted runs in the mornings um, for a long time. And I've noticed that if I just have a cup of black coffee and then maybe five or six perfect amino pills, and then I go do my two hour run, I always carry some fuel with me, but oftentimes I never have to even use it when I take perfect amino before, um, even sometimes during. Can you, right. can you tell me why that's happening? Well, it's interesting because as soon as you start an activity, the protein sort of synthesis and repair is going on all the, it's going on right from the beginning. So perfect amino does not raise blood sugar and it does not raise insulin levels. So people who are trying to do keto, trying to be in ketosis or do fasted workouts, this will not raise your blood sugar. Um, it does though give you nutrients which will help your body heal or operate while you're doing it. Uh, I found that, that like during Ironman races, if you take, I take usually five grams every couple hours, that if you can keep your amino acid levels up in your blood, see the brain has a sort of a shut off. Whereas if it feels like you're going too hard or too long, it will, it will take you down before the muscle is really totally stressed out as a protective mechanism. And it seems to be based on amino acid levels. So what I found is that if you keep the amino acid levels good in the serum during those events, you will go longer and you can go harder. And then when you're done, you know, take a whole bunch so that you can recover faster. Yeah. You know, this is something, so your product, something obviously we're all using on the podcast and just to be completely transparent, we're all sponsored by body health here. And, I've noticed a huge difference taking it specifically in the morning before a fasted run as well as Nick said, but also after a long bike ride before I do do a brick run. And I think that's something that a lot of people overlook when they're training is they all, all they do is take in either sugar, straight sugar, straight sugar, or they take in absolutely nothing because they're low carb. And right. this seems, this is a great tool. I think for everybody to have in their back pocket, would you say this, this would benefit some athletes more than others, uh, like distance wise for a longer athlete, or is this something like a short course athlete could also utilize in their training? No, I think it does. I don't think it matters because the, the, you know, it's physiology and some people just, you know, you adapt to long or you adapt to short doesn't matter, but the necessity, the necessity for the thing is really, it's there. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, if you're just a weekend warrior, your body needs these things. And one of the things that we do in the clinic, most of the people I'm seeing in the clinic are not high-end athletes. Most of them are people who have serious chronic illnesses. Their, their amino acid levels are all low, you know, and that means lowered immune system. It means lowered bone density. It's lowered hormone levels. These are, um, uh, proteins are the are the most basic thing. That's what the body's made out of. All the enzyme systems in your body are made out of amino acids. They're all proteins. So you need enzymes to detoxify and enzymes to, to make energy uh, and enzymes to make other proteins and if you're in to digest food. And you know, the, 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 there's a turnover in the body of proteins because they get injured like your gut every three, four, five days you're supposed to have a new lining. You know, you get a cut. 
if it takes weeks to heal, for sure you're at least amino acid deficient and you might be other deficient too because your body doesn't have it. So if it doesn't have it, it will either yank it from somewhere else and you'll lose muscle mass or you won't get uh, gain from training um, or it'll just slow everything down, which you don't want. I, this is just another thing for, for athletes. How many times have you been doing big workout weeks or big races and then the next week you got a cold? Oh yeah, many times. Many times. And what I found is that when you work the body hard, the body's going to either keep your immune system intact, which is, you know, cytokines and white blood cells and all these things, which are made out of proteins, or it's going to heal the muscles, tendon, ligaments, whatever the traumatic things were. But if you don't have enough to do both, it might choose to repair your legs and your arms and your immune system is going to take a dip and you're going to get a cold. And what I found is on big days, on big weeks, on race weeks, you just load up and you do it for three, four, five days after and you won't get a cold. You will be able to fully repair and you'll keep your immune system intact and you will be able to you know, you'll, you'd be able to maintain without getting sick. Well, you're obviously a, a great, um, I, I don't know, a proponent of, of aminos, but you're also proof that it works. I mean, you're, you're 70 years old now. Um, is it my right? 72. Okay. Even, even still killing it. Um, and I think we're seeing a lot of athletes still develop strength, fitness, endurance, even after the age of 40 and postmenopausal women, of course, I've just from coaching, I've seen many are protein deficient because their bodies are just, their hormones are all out of whack and they're just not able to keep it up. Now, have you noticed, or do you, would you say perfect amino could really boost that lifestyle? If you're an athlete over the age of 40, if you're trying to maintain bone density ligament strength and everything to that nature for lack of, you know, to prevent injury. I, I personally, I mean, it probably is a no brainer, but this product seems in this whole, this talk we're having is right up their alley. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, the older you are and the more you're active, the more needed you, you have to do it because you know, everything isn't quite as good and you need all the support you can get. I have a, I have a, I have a, a uh, she's 63 years old. She's a, she's actually a college professor. Like she's in, in, in mathematics. And she was referred to me by uh, one of your good friends. And she was having trouble with colds and with um, breaking down. And it's been about six, six, about six months now. And I just saw her, she doesn't live in, in Clearwater. Uh, and she is, she is killing it. You know, she's, she can run a six thirty. she runs six thirty miles for a five <laughs> day. She's 53 years old. Wow. You should see her. She's a little thing, but without, with a, with a, with a, with a t-shirt, you know, with a tank top shirt on, she could pass for probably 35. She's got, she's got just beautiful muscles. She's just like, God, I, I was just admiring her. Like, look at you. She said, I know, I feel it. That's so awesome. It's awesome because these guys, you know, one of the things that you don't know when you're 30, that you know when you're 70, is when you're 30, you don't know that at 70, you want to be doing it just as bad as you did when you were 30. You know, if That's you're great. a game person, you want to do it. And if I can do a set of quarters and I can't run like I used to, but if I'm doing times that are improving, that day my morale is good the whole day. You know, it's just, it doesn't change. You know, if you, a lot of people like, oh, I'm 65, I'm done, I'm just gonna retire, and I'm not gonna do anything. Well, nobody can help you. But if, you, if you're in life as a game, and you wanna keep it fun, then you and and athletics is part of your game then you it doesn't change 
it might even get more intense. And I'm at the starting line with, you know, there's not as many guys now, you know, you know, some age groups, there may be, you know, five, 600 guys in the 30 to 34 age group. And yeah. in the 70 to 74 age group, there might be 10, 15 guys. But every guy there is, he's on that line because he wants to win. He wants a Hawaii spot. He wants to win. He's not there to just finish the race. And it, it doesn't change. And I think that if you live that way, um, life just doesn't, you know, there, you just look forward to the next and the next and the next, cause you've got a goal and you want to work it and you want to get it. And uh, I think people who live that way, you know, you look at a guy, even like Trump, not even being political, but the guy is a gamer, like, you know, the worst, most difficult job in the world, you know, it's, you know, and you see people in all different areas where they're, they're in it, you know, and it doesn't mm -hmm. matter if they're 72 or if they're 50 or if they're 40. Um, they're there to play. Yeah, he's convincing us he's younger just by his use of Twitter so much. <laughs> no. <laughs> Freaking guy doesn't sleep. He eats McDonald's all day long. <laughs> you know, they attack him from like unbelievable and he just like, screw you, man. I'm you know, I'm, I'm, you can't take me down. It's a, there's a game there. You know, there's a, there's a, it's, you know, it's a strategy yeah. for sure. Yeah. So, oh, you know, he just loves it. He just loves to prove that he's the best. So that's I exactly know. what you're saying. That's the game. Well, it's you, the game. You know, I've got like, we've all Garrick and uh, Nick and I were all obviously more in the closer to 30 range. Um, and even for us, like, I, you know, I know perfect amino helps. Like Garrick said, if I do a hard bike and I take perfect amino, like towards the end, and then I run off the bike, it feels like I didn't even run because you're, and it makes total sense what you said. And that's kind of like, I was really interested to see you come out here, what you have to say today, because I ha I do have a nutrition, minor nutrition in my degree. So I know how these nutrients work and stuff, but it was just kind of like, how can this thing that I equate to as protein, which you explained as well, it's really, it's a protein it's that your body's using how can that make me feel like i have more energy and the fact that you've kind of said how this amino your body knows the amino acid levels and your brain has a regulator that can tell you oh your muscles are getting damaged you don't have a lot of aminos left we're going to shut it down but if you keep that topped up your body knows i can keep recovering i can keep going you can keep pushing even though you might not have any more energy in your muscles right you just right. know your body just knows it can do it and that makes complete sense and I, you know, now I just getting low on my last bottle of perfect aminos and I'm, I'm, I'm not looking forward to when that runs out and I got to get the next one because those long bricks are going to feel tough, but it's been super cool to hear about all the, uh, the science behind it and you explain it, you can know to explain it in a way that I think is really easy to understand. Um, for me, at least someone who didn't really know too much about it yet. I think if people want to want to delve more into it, the, the I wrote this book last year called The Search for the Perfect Protein. You can get it on Amazon. It was an Amazon bestseller. Um, it really kind of explains it for a lay person. Um, sort of what is, how does this work? How does the gut work? How does protein biochemistry work in a way that can be understood? And then it's application with all different kinds of problems from little babies to autistic kids, to menopausal women, to high-end athletes, that this is one of the things that all bodies need uh, in order to stay healthy. And if they're, you know, if you had an operation or you got hit, you know, you got hit by a car, you have trauma or you're, a, an, you're an athlete, that what you want is you need to get these things back into your body so that it can recover. And if, if you do that, it can, it can really recover. No doubt. Um, no. So Dr. Minkoff, I know you have to run on an, another errand or another call. However, I do want, I'm curious, um, what, what makes you still want to do it? And what is, you know, if it's within the sport thus far, if you could get, if you could even start to narrow it down a little. My favorite experience, probably, I just, thought of this when you asked me. It was a USTS San Francisco. Uh, I'd had a coach and I was on the run and the coach was out there uh, 
And he said, the next guy's like 400 yards behind you. And there was like two miles to go. And I was running sort of worried up to that point because I, I wanted to win my age group. And when he said that, it was just like, I can do this. And that mm-hmm. was, I think that was, that was like my, like. When was that? You got it. Yeah, it was, it was great. Um, what was the other question you asked? What keeps me going? Yeah. You know, I think if you look at, you know, there's a, there's a cycle of action with, every, with, with everything that happens and with a life, okay? So there's a create, there's a survive, there's a, there's, a, there's a destroy, or there's birth, and there's live, and there's death. And if you keep on the front side of that cycle, if you live your life on the create side, you know, like I am doing more in my life now than I've ever done before in terms of my businesses, in terms of my philanthropy, in terms of, of my athletics, my family. I just feel like if, if I understand this and I can keep on the front end of that, there just isn't anything that I can't do. Now I can't do it as fast as I used to if I'm running, but I can still do it and I can still enjoy it. And I can be an example for other people that you, you don't have to, you know, like why at 72 would I decide to leave my practice or, or just go, you know, do something else when I have all this experience, all this know-how, all this skill, I really feel like I'm at the peak and, um, you know, I don't know how long I'm going to live, but I know that living with that attitude makes for an exciting life and a reason to get up every morning and to, and to, um, and to go out and, and try to make a difference, you know, try to help people. So that's yeah. my, you know, that's sort of my orientation and, um, uh, it keeps my morale high, you know, <laughs> Well, I, don't, I don't have to feel sorry for myself or feel like somebody's doing something to me or I'm not a victim or any of this. It's just like, throw that away. It's just like, no way, you know, like, let's go. Nice. You're, you're a great example of someone who lives that every single day and it's taken you to lengths that we, some of us will never even imagine. I can sh- you the depth of your knowledge and what you've been able to even relay to us in this 45 minute or hour session. is just, it's incredible. So I think, I hope all of our listeners can walk away with like a new sense of purpose, knowing what you've done, knowing the tools that you have at your disposal, um, you're giving to all of us. And, you know, we, I just being a, a patient of yours over the years, you know, I appreciate your energy, your enthusiasm, and no matter how busy you are, you, you give time to people who really need it. So of course we couldn't be happier to have you on the show and we hope that we'll get you on again and we'll talk about some other awesome stuff. Um, maybe your next, your next awesome Ironman. Um, and just before we do sign off, what, what race would you hope to accomplish this year? If we get back to racing, I'm supposed to do Augusta and I'm supposed to do, I qualify for the nationals in, uh, in Milwaukee, but I I don't, I I don't think they even know what they're doing. It's supposed to be mid July. So I don't think, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what's happening with that. Um, I'm supposed to do Augusta 70.3. I don't know if what that's doing. I'm supposed to do Ironman Florida, and they're not saying anything either. I had three early races, uh, St. Anthony's and uh, Florida 70.3, uh, and one of the Claremont races, and all those were canceled. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, you know, like maybe the whole year gets written off. I don't know. Uh, I went way. up today for three and a half hours and enjoyed it, and that's all it comes. Cool. Um, so fellas, do you have anything else to ask Dr. Minkoff before we let him go? No, thank thank you for uh, joining us today. That was, it was great to hear you talk. I was sitting here just kind of in awe listening to you and (laughs) hanging on to every word really. Yeah. Jackson was drooling a little bit. I think I saw. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks thanks. so much. It's been awesome to hear your story and all your knowledge. And uh, like Nick said, we'll follow up at some point when the races are back, but it doesn't matter if they don't come back right now. Cause as you said, you're going to be doing this for, you're always just keep doing more and more. So next year you maybe you'll be back at it and we all will. So yeah. it'll be and awesome. which clear, 
I had this goal to, to, to set a new record at Ironman at age 85, and a guy last year did it, so the bar just got moved up, that's all. <laughs> so you're training for it. You're training for that 13 that's years right. from now. <laughs> nice. All right, that was a really great chat we had. Well, really more listening than a chat, which is how it should have been with all the knowledge Dr. Minkoff shared with us. For me, that was just... It was really cool to hear about his opinions on aging as an athlete and just being able to keep that attitude of, you know, it's not just because you're getting older doesn't mean you have to change what you're doing. That's just such a positive message to have. And, you know, that kind of was something I wasn't even thinking about too much. Like I knew he was an older guy, done a ton of Ironmans, but it's pretty obvious why now he's got the, the tools to stay healthy and doing it and to recover his body. Um, all the way through and being one of the first people to discover that probably and just his attitude like he's probably going to be doing iron man for like 20 more years and we're probably going to be like oh i'm old and retired now and he's going to be in his 90s still doing them so i thought that was super cool of course um i have a history with dr minkoff he's been a part of my life and now he's a part of yours so i'm so happy that you all like what we've brought to the table with supplements you see the results you feel it i think He's, he's seen triathlon evolve, man. Like early 80s, he was killing it in San Diego when things were just getting started. He's just seen the evolution of the sport, and he's helped in, from what I know, he's helped tons of pro athletes get their bodies in check after we destroy them over and over again. And I even have tons of my athletes who I coach take perfect amino, and it's the same thing. If they've had a nagging injury, it tends to kind of subside pretty quick. Uh, and usually it's just because we're not absorbing what we are taking in for whatever reason. It's just, we're not all perfect machines like we think we are. So I think that overall, I mean, did you guys get like a, a sense that we're talking to like one of the most impressive Ironman athletes out there, 72 and still ripping it, man. <laughs> and, and super like knowledgeable and that, yeah. I mean, the other thing is, the science behind perfect amino is pretty it's amazing because of how simple it is and yeah it really just makes sense and one thing we didn't talk about or he didn't mention perfect amino is basically friendly for any diet like vegan gluten-free carb-free like you name it anybody can use it so um i think it's something that yeah if you've just been and some people, you know, just, oh, I've got this nagging injury, that nagging injury, like you said, like it could just help your body to be able to recover those things. So, um, no, there's literally no risk to trying it. And I was actually skeptical. Like I even probably told Nick, like I'm always skeptical about stuff. I'm like, oh, if it's not just training or rest, it probably doesn't work. And yeah. literally, I like, it's just, I almost wanted it to not work. I was like, oh, I don't know. This seems like pseudoscience, but like it literally works. And there's no other way to explain it than that. So yeah, so before we move on to our Facebook question of the week, um, we are part of the Perfect Amino team um, that we've cultivated this year. Um, so when you see Perfect Amino on our kits and body health, that's why we, we, we're proud to represent them. And if you use in all caps, Team Amino, on body health when you check out for any product you will save 15 percent. so feel free to use that code at any time it's not going to expire um, and we hope you really enjoy it and we'd love to hear feedback as well so garrick yes listen to the question well and that code will be in the description as well with a link to the website they ship all across north america for all i know and do, nick do you know if they ship internationally to or intercontinentally yeah so i have athletes i coach and in the UAE or in Asia and, you know, shipping times and customs are a pain in the butt, but you can still order and get shipments internationally. Awesome. And his book is the search for the perfect protein. I will link to that as well. If you want to take a look for that science yourself. Sweet. Now it is Facebook question of the week. A pretty simple question here this week. And that is, does, is anyone else suffering from tiredness slash lack of motivation at the moment. I'm blaming the weather. Quote, unquote. <laughs> well, who wants to take that on? You know what? I'll start this one. Because I have just kind of moved temporarily from my house up to my parents' cottage. 
they've just started alleviating a lot of the restrictions in Canada here. So we're allowed to get in together into groups a little bit, keeping our social distancing, but it's just awesome to get out of town. And like, for me, I was just getting frustrated being at home where it's, you know, Guelph's not a big city, but there's still a lot of restrictions on where you can swim and pools are all closed. And, you know, a lot of the stuff is privately owned and they just aren't opening. And I was just frustrated with that and getting up here to the cottage has been awesome. So I think, you know, part of it could be a change of scenery or just a change of the training, like just try something different. Um, I definitely think that this time of year, if, if you don't even know when you're racing, like those, those sessions that you just feel like, Oh, I don't want to do just like, try not to do them. Like exactly like that way. Like obviously you need to train a little bit to keep your motivation, but if you're dreading that, you know, interval run, just go for a base run, go on a different trail or something and just try to mix it up with the scenery. I know Nick's really big fan of trying to mix up all the different types of places he trains and that works for him too. So that's my two cents on that. What do you guys think? Thank you. Well, I think so in terms of tiredness could be, could be linked into that motivation because when we're usually when we're training, we have this, this big goal that we're, we're aiming for. And, and when you remove that out, you, you lose a bit of motivation, but you also lose that drive and it, it could also increase your stress because you're not sure what you're training for. And then all that increases your, your overall stress and, and the motivation is going to tie into that tiredness because you could wake up in the morning and you say, well, I got this session, but what's the purpose behind it? Because, you know, I don't have that race, you know, that race isn't in the back of my mind and you just don't want to get up and you, it increases that grogginess. And I know for me it does. And I know a few of my athletes, it does as well. And that's the talk we've had. And if she wants to tie into the weather, yeah, it's starting to get sunnier. It's starting to get hotter. Those sessions are, are taking a little more out of you just being in the sun does fatigue you more makes we all know after working a day outside you you feel sleepy so i think it's completely normal mm -hmm. um, i just had a chat with somebody on this same topic because i you know i have a lot of consultations with athletes and we talk about goals and time and time again there's only one main goal that's driving some people and it's like a boston or a kona or something to that nature and i really argue against that because it's so far away it's easy to lose sight and when the goal isn't always looming over you like a big dark energy like you're just you can easily crumble so i tell people to have micro goals Every, you gotta i mean life is hard enough you gotta train you gotta love the process you gotta have those daily check boxes of at least starting a session even if you don't finish it even if it's hot, you still just give what you can. And it's, what is this whole thing that we're doing right now? It's not so we can have a championship race. It's so we can have a journey and experience evolve, grow. And that's really what triathlon in my perspective should be about. So if you're losing motivation, what you have to do is you have to bring your goals a little bit closer to home, you know, make a goal to run more with your husband or your wife or get your kids involved or take a trip to someplace inspiring and do crazy canyoneering run you know there's all kinds of things to find inspiration jackson was hitting the shitter until he started hitting these races again and he had those little bits of motivation these little nuggets to keep him going every week so if you have a long-term goal that you've anchored everything on you've got to bring that goal closer to you and you've got to make it a micro goal on a daily basis whether it's nutrition how you feel how you handle your negative thoughts um, but that's really I think what it starts with is you've got to keep it positive goals every single day. Eloquent. So eloquent. You, Nick also, this reminded me, Nick, you have a new goal uh, in your area, little mini race you're going to do with yourself on the bike. Uh, what is that going to be? Yeah. I just decided one day, um, like everyone else right now, we're looking around for things to do. And I was like, man, I wonder what snow, snow Canyon is a pretty big, thing in utah here or in southern utah um we race up it through iron man st george and i was like i think i'm gonna try to go for that king of the mountain over the next couple weeks and see if i can't get close or at least within the top top three that'd be make me pretty happy because it's a freaking ripper time and if you don't have a tailwind or people working with you i think solo is going to be tough but that's what that's what it takes for me to get out there and keep motivated nice 
You got to just conveniently be driving behind a car that's going like 45k an hour. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, no, once we get to just... once we get to 10%, man, there's no draft, you know that. <laughs> and at, at the very least you can get the local legend uh badge. I hope so. That's why I want to do well at Ironman St. George cuz I like want to at least people be like, "Oh yeah, I see that guy training. Oh, I guess he's not a piece of shit. He's he's okay." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I dropped him on my easy ride. I just thought he'd be such a shitty at Ironman. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's a good good perspectives on all of that on that Facebook question. So whoever put that up there, hope you're listening to our podcast. Yeah, <laughs> one in a million chance of that, but maybe they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you never know. You can post the link to the their question. Hey, we answered your question Ooh. on our podcast. Yeah, advertising. Cool. We'll have to, well, sweet. but then everybody's going to well, know what, po- it, what Facebook group we're taking questions from. Oh, that's yeah. Okay. That's all right. We should let them know. We gave them some love. Yeah. True. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you, boys. Don't forget for those listening to tune in on our regular Thursday episode as well, where we go over how Jack smashed himself in the Zwift mm-hmm. race. Next week, I promise better results. I promise. Well, okay. This is going to drop after, but. This will be right before week three. Yeah. Well, uh, so well, I still you, promise better. If even you, if I won, I promise okay. win by more. All right. So, <laughs> all right. So this is us signing out. Nick, thanks for carrying us through this podcast. Greatly appreciate it. As eloquent as ever. I talk too much. <laughs> lightning bolt, dude. <laughs> Why has it got the lightning bolt in this hair talk so much? Jeez. <laughs> Hey, don't make fun of the people that review our podcast. Please review our podcast. We have two reviews. Yeah, we can tell us them. like what is shitty about it. That actually is good. Like, yeah, in a constructive you know. way, of course. But still, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can yeah. you could say like this part sucks, or you could be like it's great, but this part could improve. They both mean the same thing. We're we're gonna take it the same. And then hit that five star. Yeah. Either way, I'm gonna cry, no matter what. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, please don't. All right, well, we I'm probably s- cut this off, boys. Yeah. I'm signing us off before we ramble too much. All right, boys. Peace. Oot. Oot. I got ish to do. Flying through the sky in my parachute. Dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruise. On a one-man mission trying to see it through.